damned good idea, and she turned her mind back to Nora's ten count. Four was for her hips, too wide, and five her belly, too thick. Six was her breasts, which she thought were her best feature. Gerald, she suspected, was a bit put off by the vague tracings of blue veins beneath their smoothly sloping curves. The breasts of the gatefold girls in his magazines did not show such hints of the plumbing beneath. The magazine girls didn't have tiny hairs growing out of their areoli, either. Seven was her two wide shoulders. Eight was her neck, which used to be good-looking but had grown decidedly chickeny in the last few years. Nine was her receding chin, and ten... Wait a minute! Wait just one goddamned minute here! The no-bullshit voice broke in furiously. What kind of dumb game is this? Jessie shut her eyes tighter appalled by the depth of anger in that voice and frightened by its separateness. In its anger, it didn't seem like a voice coming from the central taproot of her mind at all, but like a real interloper, an alien spirit that wanted to possess her the way the spirit of Panzuzu had possessed the little girl in The Exorcist. Don't want to answer that? Ruth Neary, alias Panzuzu, asked. Okay, maybe that one's too complicated. Let me make it really simple for you, Jess. Who turned Nora Callaghan's simple little relaxation litany into a mantra of self-hatred? No one, she thought back meekly, and knew at once that the no-bullshit voice would never accept that. So she added, The good wife, it was her. No, it wasn't. Ruth's voice returned at once. She sounded disgusted at this half-assed effort to shift the blame. Goody's a little stupid, and right now she's a lot scared but she's a sweet enough thing at the bottom, and her intentions have always been good. The intentions of whoever re-edited Nora's list were actively evil. Jesse, don't you see that? Don't you... I don't see anything because my eyes are closed, she said in a trembling, childish voice. She almost opened them, but something told her that was apt to make the situation worse instead of better. Who was the one, Jesse? Who taught you that you were ugly and worthless? Who picked out Gerald Burlingame as your soulmate in Prince Charming, probably years before you actually met him at that Republican Party mixer? Who decided he wasn't only what you needed, but exactly what you deserved? With a tremendous effort, Jessie swept this voice, all the voices she fervently hoped, out of her mind. She began the mantra again, this time speaking it aloud. One is my toes, all in a row. Two is my legs, lovely and long. Three is my sex, what's right can't be wrong. Four is my hips, curving and sweet. Five is my stomach, where I store what I eat. She couldn't remember the rest of the rhymes, which was probably a mercy. She had a strong suspicion that Nora had whomped them up herself, probably with an eye toward publication in one of the soft and yearning self-help magazines which sat on the coffee table in her waiting room, and so went on without them. Six is my breasts. Seven's my shoulders. Eight's my neck. She paused to take a breath and was relieved to find her heartbeat had slowed from a gallop to a fast run. Nine is my chin, and ten is my eyes. Eyes open wide. She suited the action to the words, and the bedroom jumped into bright existence around her, somehow new, and for the moment at least, almost as delightful as it had been to her when she and Gerald had spent their first summer in this house. Back in 1979 a year which once had the ring of science fiction and now seemed impossibly antique. Jessie looked at the gray barn-board walls,
the high white ceiling with its reflected shimmers from the lake, and the two big windows, one on either side of the bed. The one to her left looked west, giving a view of the deck, the sloping land beyond it, and the heartbreaking bright blue of the lake. The one on her right provided a less romantic vista, the driveway and her gray dowager of a Mercedes, now eight years old and beginning to show the first small speckles of rust along the rocker panels. Directly across the room, she saw the framed batik butterfly hanging on the wall over the dresser and remembered with a superstitious lack of surprise that it had been a 30th birthday present from Ruth. She couldn't see the tiny signature stitched in red thread from over here, but she knew it was there. Neary, 83. Another science fiction year. Not far from the butterfly, and clashing like mad, although she had never quite summoned enough nerve to point this out to her husband.